Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got holes on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And hello. It helps if you plug your headphones into the actual station as opposed to your laptop. Good way to get the stereo started. That's a quick little tip for those of you... In the radio industry, plug your headphones into what it is you actually want to be listening to. Puts you in better position to succeed and actually, you know, hear the show. We are off and running a well-oiled machine in the booth uh, here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. A couple of different items of ground to cover, including simultaneously with the launch of our show, the release of the Orange Football Schedule of 2018. We hinted at it uh, yesterday that today was the day and indeed that's the case. You know, in the NFL they make a big deal about the release of the schedule. Of course, people can't get enough of their uh, NFL in different uh, ways, shapes and forms and the way that they consume the content. In the ACC, they're sort of like, well, we know about when we're going to release it and then it's sort of like on a any day now type thing and then it's like, oh yeah, it's going to be tomorrow. And that's what happened yesterday. I also believe there's a a relatively large non-conference schedule announcement uh, coming before too long. But the 2018 schedule for Syracuse football is out, and we'd love to share it with you and get your reaction to it. You can call us at 437-7644-437-7644, area code 315, of course, for ESPN. 44, and we'll uh, have an opportunity to uh, get into this and as well the uh, Syracuse men's basketball game from last night and uh, more over the course of the program. In the booth brought to you by Burdick Toyota and CH Insurance. So here goes. Uh, the non-conference schedule was known, by the way, prior to today, uh, even the games and what dates and all of that. The part that's been mixed in here, of course, is the breakdown. In fact, I think we even knew the opponents in uh, ACC action. In fact, the the crossover game this year is North Carolina. I think we knew that before uh, today's announcement, but now we know the dates of the game. So the Orange open up on the road against Tim Lester in Western Michigan September 1st. Uh, Western Michigan, a team that uh, Lester did a nice job taking over for uh, P.J. Fleck, who had an unbeaten season, then went on to Minnesota and in the opener this year, they gave USC all it wanted at the start of the season. So Lester's back at his alma mater. That'll be cool to uh, see him. September 8th is the Carrier Dome opener. Gets the Orange off that Labor Day weekend, which has, for the last number of years, been a Friday night season opener. And that's a debate, I think, among the fans. Well, in this case, really no decision to make. The second Saturday of the season, the Orange are home against Wagner. One of the things that's going to come up as uh, the conference uh, lives and breathes and the ACC network is upon us, you're going to have conference games earlier in the year. That's because the ACC is now in the television programming business and they want more weeks where there are ACC games so that they can put on the ACC network. So week three of this season 
is a conference game, and we knew that would be the case, and it's very often going to be in the coming years that in weeks two, three, four, don't be surprised if you have conference games. So the the model that we've known in years past is uh, adjusted. And because I think, we again, we have talked about the non-conference schedule and could have told you yesterday that there was a gap there in the third week of the season or the uh, second weekend, I guess it would be the third weekend of September, Saturday, September 15th. No surprise that's a conference game. It is Florida State with new coach Willie Taggart coming into the Carrier Dome. So Western Michigan on the road, Wagner at home, Florida State at home, and the following week, Connecticut at home, a non-conference game in which the Orange will be very heavily favored. Uh, This marks a bit of the a little bit of the softening of the schedule, right? So we know Notre Dame is coming up later at Yankee Stadium in uh, November. That is your major conference reach level game, right? Obviously, Notre Dame's not in a conference, but they're loosely affiliated with the ACC. You're going to play one big boy. That's it. The Western Michigan game is a winnable non-conference road game, which is different than going to LSU. Right, And then you've got your FCS opponent, that's Wagner, coming in. You've got your scheduled conference, uh, non-conference home game that uh, ought to be a win. That is uh, Connecticut on the schedule this year. That's you know Middle Tennessee on the schedule this past year. And the Orange uh, obviously lost that game, which uh, kind of backfired on them and did not work out. So September is at Western Michigan to start. Then Wagner on the second weekend at home for the home opener. Florida State on the 15th for the conference opener. Connecticut on the 22nd. Three in a row in the Dome in September. Then you've got two weekends on the road. Clemson, who just, by the way, announced that all four of their all-conference defensive linemen are coming back for next season. So they will be absolutely low-dead again. A team that's won the national championship two years ago was in the Final Four Again, this season and uh, wants its shot to uh, get over the hump of Alabama. Again, they'll bring a lot of people back. Clemson is an away game on uh, September 29th. That will be awfully tough sledding. The next week at Pittsburgh, October 6th. Then the bye week is in the middle of October. Middle of October, that's when basketball practice begins. Then you've got Saturday, October 20th. North Carolina, the way the ACC is set up with the two divisions, you play everybody in your division, you play the crossover game uh, for Syracuse, that's Pittsburgh, a team from the other division that they play every year, and you rotate through the others. That's why it's been a minute since Syracuse has played Virginia. The Virginia Tech game was the first in years. This Miami game this year was the first in a long time and the last for a long time. And next up on that rotation is North Carolina. So it's North Carolina on October 20th. That game in the Dome, that should be fun. Carolina is a team that usually has a lot of talent. They can recruit there, obviously, but they are coming off a very subpar season still at the end of the year in a big rivalry game for for them against NC State. They uh, really challenged the Wolfpack and uh, and came up short. But uh, that's another one. That's going to be a toss-up type game where – you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it in terms of uh, figuring out the wins and the losses and the personnel and, and all of that. But that's going to be a winnable conference 
home game that's uh, right there in that swing game category that Syracuse has had so many of. And there's really the meat of the schedule here as we first look at it. The month of October is up for grabs. There's those three games. Pitt on the road, North Carolina at home, right after that, NC State at home on the the 27th of October. So uh, bye week, then home twice. That is uh, not going on the road for uh, a three-week period there. Bye week, home to Carolina, home to NC State. After that, a road trip to North Carolina to play Wake Forest, November 3rd, a divisional game. Back home for Louisville, that is the lone uh, Friday game of the season. That is Friday, November 9th. So you can bank on a home Syracuse basketball game on September 10th. I'm sorry, November 10th of uh, next year. That's kind of how those two intertwine. Had the football game been a Saturday, you could pretty much count on a Friday night basketball season opener. So uh, for those of you that are maybe out of town and are thinking about uh, your schedule plans and your trip into Syracuse and you want to see football and basketball at the same time, uh, that's how it looks like it'll work out uh, this year. Not to bank on it yet until the basketball schedule comes out, but it's almost always the case that uh, there is a a weekend with the games back-to-back. So Louisville in on Friday the 9th. Then uh, that is the lone home game between October 27th and the end of the season. So uh, Syracuse's effort to get things turned around in November won't be helped because they're home. Uh, In fact, there's not a home Saturday game after Halloween. You got the October... 20th, North Carolina, the next week, NC State. Those are the last uh, last two home Saturday games because the only dome game remaining is Friday the 9th against Louisville. Friday games are nationally televised, so uh, positive trade-offs there. Then uh, the Notre Dame game, which was a, a game originally scheduled to be in South Bend that is now scheduled for Yankee Stadium November 17th. And uh, what has kind of slotted in here as tradition, the end-of-the-season matchup with Boston College and a trip to Chestnut Hill on Thanksgiving Saturday, the 24th. So there you go. That is the 2018 Syracuse football schedule. You can check it out at cuse.com and various outlets. We've tweeted it out at Matt Park 1. The entire ACC schedule was released at 2 o'clock and out there for consumption. If you'd like to chime in by phone and check in, you're welcome at 437-7644. That's 3154-ESPN44. Yes, Joe. I have a question. This is kind of inside baseball. That's but a killer uh, Auburn Double Days thank hoodie you. you have on there, by thank the way. Thank you. That's uh, my contribution to sports. I like that. Uh, this is this is sort of inside baseball, but since you're the voice of the Orange, when you have an overlap and you have football and basketball at the same time, do you get to choose which one you want to do? Or Haven't you worked here long enough, Joe, to figure out how that goes? No. No, typically, almost always football would take precedent, but not often the, it do you have to choose? Okay. It tends to work its way out because often because Syracuse plays football and basketball in the same building, there aren't really conflicts among the home games. There might be a home game while the football team is on the road. Um, you know, some places they might have football and basketball on the same day and they might be at uh, noon and 7 o'clock or because football is not s- scheduled with the time until 12 days out, maybe they overlap and you've got a problem. Uh, so some of my colleagues at other schools I know have done football, basketball, home games on the same day. Well, that's not going to happen at Syracuse because of the uh, way they share the building. But uh, 
we'll know when the basketball season comes out, but I might miss one basketball game a year for that. I would not miss a, you know, generally speaking, would not miss a football game. It would take uh, something very significant like a trip to Maui and my begging. (laughs) (laughs) But even the last time we went to Maui and Atlantis, for that matter, we got back for the football game. So, or did the football game before we left or whatever. So uh, plan on being at all of these in uh, 2018. Again, from the top, that is uh, at Western Michigan to open on September 1st. The uh, dome opener is September 8th against Wagner. The following Saturday, the ACC opener at home against Florida State. Then Connecticut at home on uh, September 22nd. At Clemson on the 29th. At Pittsburgh on October 6th. Then a bye week. Then home to North Carolina, October 20th. Home to NC State on October 27th. At Wake Forest, November 3rd. Home on Friday, November 9th against Louisville. At Yankee Stadium against Notre Dame on the uh, 17th of November. And then November 24th against Boston College. That makes the Dome schedule Wagner, Florida State, Connecticut in September. North Carolina, NC State in October. Louisville in November. Orange have uh, had a tough go in November in recent years, and it won't be a whole lot easier this time around. One of the reasons they've lost games in November is they have not been complete in terms of health and personnel at the end of the year. This year, they have a pretty difficult schedule. Louisville's always good. Notre Dame figures to be good. Boston College brings back everybody from uh, a team that was able to overcome some injuries this year and and beat Syracuse and uh, Wake Forest coming off a bowl-winning season. So that's the uh, November schedule, and uh, that's a long way off, but uh, fun to have the schedule out and to go over it. If you've got a, a thought, a reaction, a question, a comment, you can call us at 437-7644. That's 4ESPN44. So that gets us off and running in the booth. When we come back, we'll uh, hear some of Coach Beheim's comments and uh, go through some of the uh, pros and cons and the rubble and the excitement of the Orange basketball win last night. They stopped a four-game losing streak in the Dome, and we'll hit on it when we return. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Tune in to In the Booth every Thursday as Mike Waters from the Post Standard in Syracuse.com breaks down Syracuse Orange basketball with Matt Park. Brought to you by Oswego County Mutual Insurance. We are the pulse of the Orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Tomorrow, the Orange visit Miami. Orange pregame at 645, tip 7 o'clock. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Heard Brian Higgins there traveling with the uh, Syracuse women as we speak to South Florida, the Orange and Miami tomorrow night. And then uh, Syracuse is home in the Dome on Saturday at uh, 2 against Pittsburgh. That's a game where they're really... uh, putting all their chips in in an effort to break the attendance record. Some uh, twelve or 13,000 tickets are out there in the community, uh, thanks to community sponsors who have an opportunity to uh, really put together a tremendous environment at the game on the weekend. So I hope that uh, comes to fruition. And uh, Orange coming off a big home victory against uh, Florida State. Then the loss at NC State. Let's see if they can uh, pick it up here on the road before uh, returning home for a couple, Pittsburgh and Clemson, the next two uh, women's games. You know, it occurred to me, Joe, I, my first time uh, with the double days 
was back in the you know, mid '90s, way back when they had the different color scheme there that I much prefer to the. Well, I enjoy the sweatshirt you have on there, but the when back then the black and the teal and the it was unique at least. I think they sell them. I think they sell those yeah, I'd like retro. That. Why, don't you, why don't you next time when well, you're right. out there in Auburn on the regular, why don't, yeah. you, why don't you pick me up one of those? My birthday's coming up too if you want to. <laughs> Maybe why don't you and Polly chip in? A very strong hint. There you go. You know, I've actually worked with them in the I'm past. Not, I'm not one who does that. Well, so did I. Well, I called their games back back in the day. Our manager was Manny Acta, who's gone on to be a big league skipper and third base coach. I was the public address announcer for two seasons. Is that right? Yeah. It was not easy. Was did no... the batters ever step out and go with the X's? Yes. <laughs> I, I remember getting quite a few looks yeah, yeah. with uh, my mispronunciations. And, That's, uh... that, I don't think that would be a strong role for you, Joe, <laughs> it, it, just to be honest. It was interesting. In terms of putting people... <laughs> Matching their strengths and putting them in a position <laughs> yeah. to succeed, it was it was a challenge. Wow, it really shouldn't be. <laughs> it shouldn't be, but, but for you, someone you, like me, yeah, you have a tendency to to make them challenges. <laughs> we just laid out the uh, challenge for the uh, Syracuse football schedule in 2018. If you got some reaction to that, questions, comments, they're welcome at four three seven seven six four four or four ESPN forty four. How about that Orange basketball game last night? I'm going to be the first person to say I hate, hate, hate when people say things like oh. That was ugly, or that's unwatchable. My typical response is, hey, dude, you're not going that well to have better options or to throw back into the pond basketball games. Just watch the game and enjoy the game. Last night was incredible. Pittsburgh makes so many mistakes and does so many foolish. They just, it shows you, while it feels like coach speak at the time, and when you're going to have some of Coach Beheim's comments, and he talks about, you know, what you need to do to improve and all of that stuff. The difference between somebody who's played three and four years of college basketball versus somebody who's played one or less is so stark. And we're accepting or exempting from this conversation the guys that are the lottery picks that go to Duke and Kansas and and Kentucky that are studs, and, and Syracuse might have one of those next year in uh, Darius Baisley, who was named uh, McDonald's All-American uh, yesterday. After that group of the top 20 players or whatever, you've got to learn and grow and avoid mistakes. And Pittsburgh was making all kinds of mistakes, and you can tell they are in for an exceptionally long season. But uh, Syracuse did not pull away. Pittsburgh was able to hang in for two reasons. One, kind of packed in defense that really sort of exposes Syracuse's offensive issues and the fact that the Orange don't really have beyond the Tyus battle a dynamic score. They don't have outside shooting threats. They can't make you um, stretch out of a zone. So when you back in and pack it in, what are you going to do? You know, And that needed to be eventually softened up. So that was one reason Pitt was in the game. And the other is that they had a freshman named Parker Stewart who just was lost track of and had no conscience and pulled shots from any distance or at any point in the shot clock and he made his share of 23 and 25 footers and made seven three-pointers so Pitt hung around and uh, the Orange put together a nice run at the uh, end of the first half an eight nothing run there and from that point on didn't really have anything to fear but uh, took a little while before they got the breathing room that made you feel comfortable in the game and it's the type of thing where we're going to have to get used to that. You're going to hear from Coach Beheim in a bit about uh, really how each game the rest of the way is uh, 
going to be a grind. There will not be anything easy for this Syracuse team who moved to 2-4 and four in the conference with its win last night. Frank Howard was the star for the Orange, stuffing the stat sheet in a number of ways. He had 18 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and 5 steals. Well, he's improved his shooting. Like tonight, he made big plays. We got 7 rebounds. We need Tyus to get back in there and help us on the boards. Frank's only negative has been his turnovers. He had just one tonight. I think that's been really the main thing that he's had. He's played good, pretty good, solid defense, and I, I just think that he's uh, played. He's really been solid all year. And the one turnover he made up for with a LeBron James-like chase down block shot right at the rim. It, it should have very easily been a two-point giveaway to Pittsburgh and a dunk, and and Frank got back and blocked the shot and uh, was able to at least salvage that play. But get used to it, sports fans. Uh, I know the line was heavy for Syracuse yesterday, and they almost got to that uh, margin of victory. But uh, while Syracuse does play Pittsburgh one more time, it's the game after next, there won't be many that aren't this type of grind. And uh, certainly any game that uh, Syracuse wins from here on out likely is going to have to come with a great deal of effort and focus. There's not an easy game on the schedule, and I think we'll be in those games. I think we got a chance in every one of those games, just like we have now. But it's, it's we're going to have to play really well. We're going to have to make some shots, and there will be nothing easy, though. It'll be difficult, and that's just the way college basketball is and this league is in general. The home teams are winning because even the weaker teams can beat you at home. There's some years where there's two or three teams that probably can't win it, even at home. But now all these teams can win at home. And what he's talking about there is that even the quote-unquote bad teams, the boost that they get from playing at home, which is a couple of points for everybody at least, is enough to close the gap for them to be competitive and beat you. It used to be that... You know, the worst teams in the league you used to go into Boston College and because you were better, you were going to win and they had no life. And no, Well, that's not certainly not the case at BC. We're gonna, about to find out if that's the case at Pittsburgh. I would imagine Pittsburgh doesn't quite have enough. They've already lost five times at home this year. That's a road game that Syracuse is going to need to win on Saturday the 27th, but that uh, feels like a long way off right now. Pascal Chuku was a topic of discussion last night. Really, what? From this point forward, this next week, the Orange don't have a game until a week from tonight. Now it's sort of back in the lab time. Uh, Coach Beheim said this morning when we were uh, working on uh, Syracuse sidelines, which will air tomorrow night on uh, Spectrum News, yeah, we're going to give them the NCAA mandated time off, but this team doesn't need time off. It needs time practicing. So we're talking about the development, particularly in the front court, of guys that are new to the game or new to the team, including Pascal Chukwu showed the, the difference last night between uh, when he does get uh, his temper up a little bit and good things happen. He takes a step forward, then he takes a step backward. Tonight he had opportunities and he's bringing the ball down and not finishing. And then, you know, what he can do is like at the end there, he got mad a little bit, he got the pass, he came down, he dunked it. Well, he should be doing that the whole game, but he just isn't that mentality and he's got to get that mentality He's just not doing that. Mayhem went on to say, look, he's a big, super nice guy, and that's exactly what Pascal Chuku is. He's he's not a killer instinct type guy, and not everybody is that plays sports. In fact, some of the people that look like they've got that instinct during the game, they're not like that off the court. 
But, uh, you know, maybe Pascal can get to the point when he puts on those goggles or when he steps onto the floor, he gets a little mean streak in him because he just doesn't have the physicality and the force around the rim that it takes to finish against some bigger people and, and against the contact that you get in major college basketball. The thing that he needs to work on, obviously, and we talked about it a lot on the broadcast, can't bring the ball down. You have to be able to do that without dribbling. Don't help out all the defenders that are around you. When you get the ball off the rim in an offensive rebound or when it's lobbed into you, catch it and dunk it. That's where Chris Kamaji of Florida State dominated the game, had a career high on Saturday. He's a little further down the road. He's a junior. He played big-time high school basketball at Montverde. He's not got a ton of experience, but he's got more than Pascal, and he's just more capable. Of course, he's also a little bit tall. I mean, we think Pascal's huge. He's the biggest ever player at Syracuse. Chris Kamaji looks down at him. It's incredible. He's that much bigger, you know, listed at 7-4. He catches it around the rim and just stuffs it in, and that's where you hope Pascal can get before all is said and done. It also has to come with the development of orange freshmen, and that's par for the course for newcomers. We saw that last night with the Pittsburgh team that in its regular rotation of 11-12 players has seven freshmen. That's among the reasons they're in trouble. They will pay off dividends, though, if they learn and grow. And uh, Coach Beheim points out that any team uh, playing a bunch of freshmen is obviously playing from behind. You see the great freshmen, obviously, but there's a lot of really, 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 really good freshmen that were top 50, 60, 70 in the country that don't even play on a lot of teams, not just the real good teams, but even on just okay teams. It's not that easy. If you're not a top 15, 20 freshman, it's hard to come out there. O'Shea's having a great year for a freshman, and Matt and Merrick are they're giving contributions, but it's hard uh, when you have to play a lot of minutes as a freshman and you're kind of just, you need time. <laughs> you need time. Uh, it's just like Frank did when he was a freshman. When you start playing guys like that, and Pittsburgh's a good example. They're, 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 those guys are pretty good players, but they're freshmen. You know, you can't win with freshmen. We need, that's why we need Tyus and Frank to play so well because all those other guys are are new. They're trying to figure out how to play, and it's it's not easy. Well, it's not, and uh, I think you saw that last night with uh, Pittsburgh and why it's going to be a long year for them, but uh, the Orange need their star players, as uh, Coach pointed out, uh, Howard and Battle, to play great every game. They need their most elite freshman, O'Shea Brissett, who sort of gets exempted from the conversation we're having now because he's so good. Is he, you know, he's not Bagley good, but, or Gary Trent Jr., or those types of guys that are at Duke, but he's just behind that and he can step up and do more and continue to grow. And certainly the thought of uh, Marek Dolajai and uh, Matt Moyer, who split a position and basically split 40 minutes, what can be thought of of them? This is a big week for them uh, before they return to the rest of the schedule. He is good in the middle of the zone. I think he's a better player than he's shown in the league. I think early he was good. I think he got caught in the league in the physical, and I don't think he adjusted very well, and he struggled in the league. And, you know, against physical man-to-man teams, he probably will struggle a little bit. I thought Matt has come on, but tonight, you know, Matt started out the second half and made a bad defensive rotation. 
uh, didn't get back once, and then tries to shoot a jump shot over a seven-foot guy right in the face when he's got two guys open that can shoot a three. We can't do that. We can't, we can't do that. We can't afford that. Uh, we're just not good enough. And, uh, you know, he's had a good week of practice. He had a good couple days of practice. Um, he's trying to look a little bit more for, sh- for stuff, and that's important. We need him to. Well, interesting to hear that because I think you're seeing these two players um, get coached, developed, and grow right before your very eyes. They rotate in for one another. They both make mistakes. They're uh, replaced by the other for various reasons over the course of the game. We were kind of kidding early on the broadcast last night with Matthew Moyer looking like a different guy. He used the expression out-of-body experience for his offensive aggressiveness. And here's Coach Beheim saying, hey, look, he's trying to look for more and, and, and more he can do to help. The Orange have a lot of players that are not strong outside shooters. Matthew Moyer is one of those. He He tends to take threes, which is probably beyond his range right now. But maybe there's a happy medium of him in there uh, being able to impact the game uh, by making the occasional uh, 15-footer or certainly looking to drive and to pass uh, from out there. So uh, look for this week, which you won't be able to to see. This is all going to be kind of hidden from public view with no game until a week from today. Look for this week to be an important one in terms of getting these guys in the shop, so to speak, and uh, – improving in a way that suits them for the rest of the year. The Orange have probably better talent, although I'm not so certain that's the case when you match them up with Boston College. But let's just round up or say for the sake of argument, they've got better talent than the next three opponents here, Uh, BC in the Dome, Pitt on the road, Georgia Tech on the road. You You win those games, you're back over 500 in the league, and you can see a path to uh, being 500 by the time the year is over, and that ought to be enough to uh, get Syracuse into the tournament. But uh, still they're going to need to have a big win. There's opportunities out there uh, for that in the ACC schedule. Uh, but you got to win the games at home. That's one of the things Coach Beheim laid out at, at the outset. Even the poor teams are tough to beat at home. There's only been a handful of road winners over the course of the season so far. And uh, from a Syracuse perspective, the rest of the way in terms of their Dome schedule, they'll be looking to keep it that way. They take on BC a week from tonight. All right, more to come as we roll along with uh, In the Booth. When we come back, we'll get into Do We Care with Joe Salzone, wrap up the show. Certainly your questions and comments on the Syracuse football scheduler. Fair game tonight. Uh, If you'd like to join us at 315-437-7644, that's 4ESPN. 44. You're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the dboffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse. And 100.1 FM Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care. The Pittsburgh Steelers firing offensive coordinator Todd Haley. ESPN reporting the Steelers have no plans on offering a new contract to Haley, whose current contract was set to end at the uh, end of the season. Replacing uh, Haley reportedly as OC is Randy Fichter, who's now the team's quarterback's coach. Fichtner. Fichtner. Well, that, was, that was a name I could have very easily uh, yes. mispronounced in a, in a worse way. 
Polly would, Polly would make a joke on that, too. Oh, of course he would. Yeah. Fickner, I didn't even know her. That's what Polly would say, right? <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> you know, this one, to me, falls in the category. It's common to say now. It's a, I guess, cliche of uh, sportscasters and observers. Hey, it's just time to move on. It feels like this deal with Haley, it's been rocky all along. He and Ben Roethlisberger didn't get along. Then they did. They scored a lot of points. They did goofy things. Haley's getting in you know, situations at bars and stuff like that. And somebody had to take the fall for the way this Steelers season went. It's not going to be Mike Tomlin uh, because the Roonies are so staunch in the way they stand by their head coaches as they have forever. Uh, Tomlin has been, by all accounts, really a good head coach, uh, probably underperformed in, in this year's playoffs. And some head is going to roll for that in this case it's Haley. I wouldn't rule out Haley resurfacing as a head coach, uh, maybe even as soon as this year. Now that there's a couple of these jobs open, he was the head coach in Kansas City. Uh, the Titans had the surprise. There's always one surprise opening, a team that you thought was going to retain its coach that uh, lets theirs go, and uh, that turned out to be the Titans. So I don't know if Haley, if this is the year for him, but it, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him uh, land on his feet as an OC somewhere, or certainly as a quarterback coach. Uh, but then offensive coordinator and maybe even head coach. Uh, Max mentioned this in the Sports Interrupted at the top of the show. North and South Korea teaming up for the Winter Olympics. The rival country is agreeing on forming a joint team for the Winter Games, and they'll march together during the opening ceremonies in South Korea. This will be the first time the two countries have marched together in 11 years. Yeah, this has to be because the, the Winter Olympics are in South Korea. Uh, and I thought they were just teaming together on a hockey team, but is it the? And I'd seen separately that they were talking about marching together. But is it, are they going to field a unified team for every sport in which they compete? Uh, the article didn't really specify. I thought uh, I saw uh, it on hockey, but which is a yeah, stri- that was my strikes me as the type of sport where they're going to have to combine because I don't <laughs> yeah. know. There's a lot of great <laughs> Korean hockey players out there. Probably not. But uh, you know, obviously, there's uh, political issues. Uh, related to this one, I think when you host the Olympics, you have to pull out extra stops to put on the best face and be most representative of your country and be competitive. In fact, I think some of these sports still have provisions to allow for the host country. In other words, the way you qualify for a given sport, let's say, is, you know, all the other ways that you do an international competition, plus there's a spot reserved uh, for the host country. I think the World Cup uh, works like that too, which is, tends to only be in uh, soccer-crazy countries. But, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to, to see. Uh, obviously, they're looking to play nice together. And it's been cold around CNY this winter with temperatures in the single digits for several days in a row and falling below zero in some spots. But in Siberia, the temperature plunged on Tuesday to minus 88 degrees. And actually, some people in Siberia posted pictures, uh, selfies on social media that shows their eyelashes frozen. Unreal. I, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on this. And first of all, I guess if you live in, first of all, that people live in Siberia, number one, is astonishing to me. Two, that they do anything. But I could see where social media would be really big in a place like Siberia. Like, <laughs> why would you ever leave the building you're in um how else would you interact with people um minus 88 to me is beyond comprehension i uh i was in the car the other day my car had been in the garage 
You get in, turn it on, temperature, it says 28. Mm-hmm. I back out, and I'm watching the temperature adjust to actually being outside, not in the garage. So by the time I pulled out of my driveway, it's down to the you know high teens. By the time I get out of my complex, it's probably at 14. By the time I get to the light, you know, I've driven a quarter mile, it's eight. Right. By the time I get another half mile, it was, you know, four, uh, and then down to zero. And you know, I couldn't imagine it being minus. 88. Well, how about this for context? Uh, I was doing some uh, research just for some comparisons. The surface of Mars is minus 80. So it's colder in Siberia than it is on right. Mars. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I, the Siberia doesn't exactly have a great travel brochure to begin <laughs> with. <laughs> really hate to work for the travel bureau there. <laughs> right. Right, the uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau of Siberia. <laughs> Welcome. Um, yeah, this isn't really going to help their cause uh, they might need to adjust the website and and uh look for some more positive things to get some tourism going there in, in siberia but uh somewhere they may actually break zero it may actually get to zero degrees as uh, as a warm yeah trip. right i can't imagine it being 90 wave. degrees in siberia well look at it this way if it was 90 degrees more than it is there <laughs> it, it would, would be, be two degrees. That's right. uh, think about that that's it says a lot when we complain about one degree here. You know, it, it could be a lot worse. We're not having frozen eyelashes around here. No. Although, how far off are we, really? What, well, what, what temperature do eyelashes? I mean, who cares, really? <laughs> I, but I, I don't want to do that experiment. Uh, Dewey Cares brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's, love it first slice. All right, back with more to wrap the program next. We are in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Join us Wednesday for our Drivers Village High School Basketball Game of the Week. We've got Central Square visiting Jamesville DeWitt. That's Wednesday night at 645 on ESPN AM 1200 and LocalSYR.com. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth with the uh, show about to come to a close on the day where we revealed the uh, Syracuse football schedule. Long way off. People, I think, enjoy that type of stuff. Look for uh, a non-conference schedule announcement to come. A lot of that's uh, spelled out, actually, for uh, coming years. Football schedules are made so far in advance. Next year's non-conference schedule already done at Liberty, at Maryland. Liberty's a home-and-home. Home. Maryland is in the category of Team Syracuse ought to be playing in the non-conference on a fairly regular basis. Western Michigan, that's the return game of the home-and-home home that we just told you about to open this season. And then Holy Cross would be the uh, FCS for next year. And that game doesn't come until uh, four weeks in. So uh, the schedule construct. So look at next year on the 19th. September fourteenth of two thousand. I'm sorry. On the, yeah, September fourteenth of two thousand nineteen. That's gonna be a conference game. Uh, ACC Network and all of the things we talked about with the uh, conference season being pushed up. Uh, expect that the Syracuse will have a conference game in the third week of twenty nineteen, as they do in the third week of this year. We laid out the the schedule for you. Florida State coming into the Carrier Dome for uh, game number three of this coming season. Joe, you don't get all uh, warm and fuzzy about those types of things, do you? I don't get warm and fuzzy about anything, no. Matt. No, I know you don't. That's that's a problem. 
<laughs> Your sweatshirt's warm and fuzzy, Beans. Correct? Yes, it is. What do you think of my uh, unintentional uh, creation here? My badly ink-stained <laughs> earpod headphones. You know, I, I noticed uh, at the top of the show when you when you put them in, I, and I thought, did you get them at a gas station? Right. Well, I may have, but the, these are um, these are cheapy cheaps, but they. Um, we're in the same pocket where another very cheap I, – I shouldn't try to get by on cheap things. I had the hotel pen. The hotel pen exploded in my pocket, so everything in my pocket now has this – it's black ink, but it kind of comes across as purple. Very so purple. my uh, white – previously white headphones and earbuds are damaged. Well, they're, 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 you, this they're, might be the last day of these. They're going to be easy to spot. More than likely sure. the last week. Yeah, won't. Confuse them with anybody else's. All right, back tomorrow. Mike Waters will join us to talk basketball. Dave McMenamin on Friday to talk NBA. That's when we continue in the booth. Thanks to everybody on ESPN Radio Syracuse.